Welcome. We are so glad that you were here. We're excited for all God has for us today. We are in the middle of a series that we started a few weeks back now looking at the book of Galatians, and we've been going through large portions of this book all at once. Um, I'm hoping that you guys have been enjoying that, that you've been enjoying getting an opportunity to kind of hear the Scripture in context. Uh, we, we don't do that often. A lot of churches don't do that often where we read through large portions of Scripture. And so um, I hope it's something that you've enjoyed. And uh, we're, we're going to continue that today. We are looking at this book because it has such a profound impact on the world around us. It has such a profound impact on Christianity because it was to the Galatians that the Apostle Paul first went out to. It was to the Galatians that when Paul and Barnabas were set apart by the early church and they were told, you're to take this gospel to the Gentiles. It was the Galatians that they first went to. And it was the Galatian Gentiles that first accepted this idea that you don't have to be Jewish in order to be a Christian. And so that's why we've been looking at this. And, and for them, it was a freedom. But then people came along after Paul and started telling them, no, Paul was wrong. I'm glad you've accepted Jesus as your Lord, but now you have to take on all of the Old Testament laws. You have to be circumcised. You have to dress like a Jew. You have to eat like a Jew if you really want to be a Christian. And so this letter is Paul arguing against that, saying, you've already received this. You've already been set free. Why? Why are you allowing yourself to go back into prison? I don't know how many of you have actually been in prison? How many of you have actually been in jail? I think most of you, if you haven't been there, just trust me, you don't want to go. And if you've gotten out, you don't want to go back. I know it's hard to believe because I look like such an outstanding, wonderful human being standing in front of you right now, but I did go to jail once. Now, I can legitimately say it was not my fault, but I still had to go. I was with my 17-year-old friend. I was 18. I had just turned 18 a couple of months before, and we got pulled over, and in his car was a bunch of stolen equipment. I didn't know it was back there, but it didn't matter. I was with him. So this is a lesson to teenagers. Make sure you know who your friends are and check their trunks before you get in their car. <laughs> But I ended up going, and we got to the police station. He got to call his mom. I went into a back room, and I came out in orange jumpers. And he was like, wait, 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 he didn't do anything. And it's like, it doesn't matter. And so I, mean, I got exonerated, I got out, but I got to spend the night in jail. And I'm telling you, it was not fun. I, I was terrified because I watched too many jail movies, you know, and I was, I was just, I was afraid of what was going to happen. I, at the time, I was a manager at a, a McDonald's. I know that's like, I talk about Chick-fil-A all the time. That's why I worked for Chick-fil-A, because I worked for McDonald's for a while. But anyway, I was a manager at, at McDonald's, and one of my coworkers was in the cell with me. 
I was like, that's why you missed your last shift. Okay, this is making sense now. Uh, and, and while I was in there, they, uh, I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Cool Hand Luke, uh, but that was what was playing that morning. Um, it, it's a story about a really awful prison system. And I'm like, oh, please let nothing like that happen here. Uh, but anyway, so, so I, I got out. We, it, it happened to be a Saturday, and so my, my stepdad was able to wake a judge and uh, get a bail set, and I was able to get out and, again, went to court. I was exonerated. Um, and everything was taken off my record, but it, it still was scary. And I'm here to tell you, I never want to go back. I, I, I don't mind. I love, we have a few people in here that do jail ministry, and that's wonderful. And I, I fully support it. I just don't want to do it from the inside. They, I mean, <laughs> it, it's just not where I want to be. Um, but here's the thing. There's so many people who, while... You, you're not living behind bars. You are in a sort of prison. There's so many of us who we, we walk through our lives and we, we have a smile on our face and we have good things going on, but we're bound by something. We're, we're bound by fear. We're bound by negative thoughts. We're prisoners to these things that are stealing our lives. And the thing is, if you have accepted Christ, well, first of all, if you haven't, let me say welcome. We're so glad you're here. If you've never accepted Christ as your Lord, I want to give you an opportunity at the end of this message for you to do just that, for you to receive Him and to allow His freedom to come into your life, whether you're here in person or whether you're online, you have that opportunity today. But I, I'm looking around and I know a lot of you have already made that decision. And yet, if you're anything like me, even though you had that time where you accepted Christ and you had that experience of freedom brought upon your soul, it's so easy to go back and put yourself back into bondage. It's so easy to go back to an addiction. It's so easy to go back to a worrying spirit. It's so easy to go back to allowing the things that we think to trap us again. Or, even worse, to try to use religion and religious systems as a way to set ourselves free. If I would just read my Bible more, if I would just pray more, if I would just show up to church more, if I would just give more, my life would be better. And while I think those things will help, if all you're doing it for is so that you will be better, you're just creating a different kind of prison for yourself. Jesus said he came to set us free. And Paul was telling the Galatians, you don't have to go back there either that you were freed from your old life where you were worshiping evil things. Don't put yourself back into prison by worshiping what you can do in your own strength. Amen. Amen, he did. And so we need to receive that. And so I'm going to read a portion of Scripture. And again, what we've been doing through this time, we've been reading big chunks 
And so I hope you have a tolerance for the Word of God. I, I hope you have an ability to say, I like the Word of God. And so this is not what we normally do, but it's what we're doing through this series. We're going to read a very long portion. Actually, this is going to be the longest portion that we have read so far. So I hope, again, you, you love God's Word and you're willing to uh, stand in the midst of that. Um, I'm going to invite you to go ahead and stand. And I will give you this, uh, I guess, this out that this is going to be a little bit longer if you need to sit down, get a snack, get a drink of water in the middle of this. Uh, I won't be offended. I'll, I'll, it'll be okay. Uh, but we're going to actually read Galatians chapter 4. I'm going to start reading in verse 8, and then I'm going to finish reading in chapter 5, verse 15. And so again, this is a, a longer passage. I'm going to get a drink of water just to uh, prepare myself. But this is the letter that Paul wrote to the Galatians. And remember, when they received it, they would have read the whole letter. So I'm only doing a little chunk. You're welcome. But, but they would have read the whole letter out loud, and then they would have sat around and talked about it. So tonight, or this afternoon, let, let, let's eat some burgers and let's sit around and talk about freedom and what Paul is trying to ask us to do. But even if you can't join us, find some time to gather together with someone and talk about what we're learning here today. So again, I'll be reading Galatians chapter 4, verse 8, going through 5, 15, and this is how it reads out of the New Living Translation. Before you Gentiles knew God, you were slave to so-called gods that did not even exist. So now that you know God, or should I say, now that God knows you, why do you want to go back again and become slaves once more to weak and useless spiritual principles of this world? You are trying to earn favor with God by observing certain days or months or seasons or years. I fear for you. Perhaps all my hard work with you was for nothing. Dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to live as I do, in freedom from those things. For I have become like you Gentiles, free from those laws. You did not mistreat me when I first preached to you. Surely you remember that I was sick when I was first brought you the good news. But even though my condition tempted you to reject me, you did not despise me or turn me away. No, you took me in and cared for me as though I were an angel from God or even Christ Jesus himself. Where is that joyful and grateful spirit you felt then? I am sure you would have taken out your own eyes and given them to me if it had been possible. Have I now become your enemy because I am telling you the truth? Those false teachers are eager to win your favor, for their intentions are not good. They are trying to shut you off from me so that you will pay attention only to them. If someone is eager to do good things for you, that's all right. But let them do them all the time, not just when I am with you. Oh, my dear children, I feel as though I am going through labor pains for you again. And they 
will continue until Christ is fully developed in your lives. I wish you were right now, I was with you right now, so I could change my tone. But at this distance, I don't know how else to help you. Tell me, do you want to live under the law? Do you know what the law actually says? The Scriptures say that Abraham had two sons, one from his slave wife and one from his freeborn wife. The son of the slave wife was born in a human attempt to bring about the fulfillment of God's promise. But the son of the freeborn wife was born as God's own fulfillment of His promise. These two women serve as an illustration of God's two covenants. The first woman, Hagar, represents Mount Sinai, where the people received the law that enslaved them. And now Jerusalem is just like Mount Sinai in Arab in Arabia, because she and her children live in the slavery to the law. But the other woman, Sarah, represents the heavenly Jerusalem. She is the free woman, and she is our mother. And Isaiah says, Rejoice, O childless woman, for you have never given birth. Break into a joyful shout, you who have never been in labor. For the destitute woman now has more children than the woman who lives with her husband. And you, dear brothers and sisters, are the children of the promise, just like Isaac. But you are now being persecuted by those who you want to keep, who want you to keep the law, just as Ishmael, the child born by human effort, persecuted Isaac, the child born by the power of the Spirit. But what do the Scriptures say about that? Get rid of the slave and her son, for the son of the slave woman will not share the inheritance with the free woman's son. So, Dear brothers and sisters, we are not children of the slave woman. We are children of the free woman. So Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure you stay free and don't get tied up again in the slavery to the law. Listen, I, Paul, tell you this. If you are counting on circumcision to make you right with God, then Christ will be of no benefit to you. I say it again. If you are trying to find favor with God by being circumcised, you must obey every regulation in the whole law of Moses. For if you are trying to make yourself right with God by keeping the law, you have been cut off from Christ. You have fallen away from God's grace. But we who live by the Spirit eagerly wait by faith, to receive by faith the righteousness God has promised to us. For when we place our faith in Christ Jesus, there is no benefit in being circumcised or being uncircumcised. What is important is faith expressing itself in love. You were running the race so well. Who held you back? 
from following the truth. It certainly isn't God. For He is the one who called you to freedom. This false teaching is like a little yeast that spreads throughout the whole batch of dough. I'm trusting the Lord to keep you from believing false teachings. God will judge that person, whoever he is, who has been confusing you. Dear brothers and sisters, if we are preaching that you must be circumcised, as some say I do, why am I still being persecuted? If I were no longer preaching salvation through the cross of Christ, no one would be offended. I just wish that those troublemakers who want to mutilate you by circumcision would mutilate themselves. For if you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. For the whole law can be summed up with this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. But, you, but if you always are biting and devouring one another, watch out. Beware of destroying one another. Let me pray for us. Jesus, I pray that you would illuminate your word. God, I thank you for Paul's faithfulness to write this down. And I thank you for what you have taught the church through the centuries through these powerful words. I pray that freedom would be released today. The people would accept the freedom that you have to offer and that we would live in it joyfully. God, I pray that you would open our eyes to, to see, open our hearts to receive, and Holy Spirit, that you would have a work in us today as we pray these things in your name. Amen. Amen. Before you see it, why don't you wave at a person or two. Let them know you're excited to be worshiping with them today. If you're online, check in. Let us know where you're at. Let us know... Uh, who you are and where you're worshiping from. And again, thank you for standing for God's Word and, and for allowing me to be able to read a big portion. Again, I know it's a lot, but the thing is, we get really good at hearing little scriptures and pulling them out of context and making them say whatever we want them to say. I wanted to take a series where we went through large portions and actually saw where they stand in context to one another so that we understand a little more fully what is God saying to the church. And so the one thing that I want to look here is how we find freedom in Christ. That, that's the whole idea here. Last week we talked about the freedom of adoption. That one of the reasons we are able to have this freedom is that we were adopted into the family of God. And so that's why we have freedom today. But as I mentioned, even though we are adopted in, it doesn't mean we don't sometimes fall prey to putting ourselves into bondage, to allowing ourselves to fall back into the trap of sin. And so today, I want us to see just how powerful freedom in Christ is. That even when we find ourselves drifting back towards sin, drifting back towards the things that imprison us, there is a power in the name of Jesus. And, and so, to understand that, we need to understand a few things about 
who Jesus is, what he does, and how believing in him changes the way we approach the world. The first thing that I want us to see this morning is that if you want to have freedom in Christ, you need to recognize that Jesus excludes other gods. And this is something that, as a Christian, you should already know. But we have a growing movement. I mean, it's been around since the time of Christ, but I feel like it's becoming bigger in our country. This idea that we just have to include everybody. And we have, to, we have to accept everyone else's points of view. And we have to be tolerant of one another. And while I believe we need to have a tolerance for other people, and we have to allow people to believe whatever they want to believe, it doesn't exclude the truth that Jesus Christ is the only God. There is not salvation through any other name that we can't, Say to other people that while I respect your right to believe in that God or this God, that your, your way is just as valid as my way. I don't believe that's true. And I don't think it's uncaring or intolerant to tell people I don't believe what you believe is true. You can believe it. You can hold on to it. I mean... The old tolerance used to be that I believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God. You believe Ronald McDonald is the Son of God. You have the right to believe that, but I believe you're wrong. Now we're being, able, we're being told that we have to say, I believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Ronald McDonald, you believe Ronald McDonald is the Son of God. And we both can be right. It doesn't work that way. And Paul says it as much. We read in verses 8 and 9, it says, But you Gentiles knew God, and you were slaves to so-called gods who did not even exist. So you used to worship those other gods. I don't think they worshiped Ronald McDonald, but they had their own gods that they were, they were worshiping. And when they came into contact with who Jesus was, it changed everything about them. There's a very famous atheist, Richard Dawkins, who likes to say, as a Christian, you are an atheist about Thor. You're an atheist about all of these other mythical gods that other people used to worship. I'm just taking it one step further and not believing in your God either. But believing in a God is not the same thing as believing in no God. And what Richard is unwilling to let us understand is when you say that you don't believe in any God, you do believe in something. And you are holding that belief up above Jesus Christ. And you do have a religious system. You don't call it that, but that's what it is. If you say there is no God, you are putting yourself as the highest moral authority. You're putting yourself up as God, or you're putting science up as God. And Paul's saying, you used to be slave to those types of things. These things that other people think are God's. The difference is when you encounter Jesus, when you have the ability to experience his love, experience his freedom, recognize the power that is in his name, you quickly recognize there is no other God. And so, 
he's, he's trying to bring that back to them. You experienced His power. You received the Holy Spirit. You were empowered by God Himself. Don't go back to worshiping worthless things. You used to worship worthless things. Don't bring yourself back there. Don't put yourself back into prison. Don't put yourself back into a state that separates you from God. So Jesus excludes other gods. You can't worship Jesus and worship any other god. He, he's, he leaves no room for that. The other thing that we see is that Jesus excludes human effort. And this is quite possibly the one thing that has tripped up the church through the last 2,000 years more than anything else. We've received grace. We've received salvation. We have believed on the name of Jesus Christ. We've received the Holy Spirit. But then, somewhere in that salvation, somewhere in that change of life, something creeps back in where we begin to believe we have to earn it again. That we have to start doing different things to earn the favor of God. And Paul is coming against these people who are preaching against him, who are preaching against the gospel, and helping them understand, you, you can't do this in your own human effort. If you're going to try to use the law as a means to save yourself, you have to do it all. And you're excluding yourself completely from Christ. He he gives this analogy that's really powerful as he talks about the differences between Sarah and Hagar. In, in verses 48 and, or sorry, 28 and 29 of chapter 4, we read, And you, dear brothers and sisters, are children of the promise, just like Isaac. But, if, but you are now being persecuted by those who keep the law, just as Ishmael the child born by human effort persecuted Isaac, the child born by the power of the Spirit. Let me explain this to you because you may not have a framework. If you understand the Old Testament, it is predicated on one Old Testament figure named Abram who had faith in God, who believed that God would do what God had told him he would do. And God said, I will bless you. I will give you a son, even though at the time, Abraham was very old, like 90 years old, and his wife was 80. I mean, it's like he's saying, God, thank you for wanting to answer my prayers, but that's a really old prayer. Like, we stopped praying that prayer 50 years ago. But he said, no, I'm going to bless you, and I'm going to give you children. And then they believed him and they, they set out on this journey to trust God. But then, somewhere in the process, they got impatient. They said, we know God said he's going to give us a child, but it's not happening. So Sarah said, I want you to have relationship with my servant, and maybe I can have a child through her. And Abraham, being the great man of faith, said, okay. And 
And he introduced strife into the Middle East forever. To this day, Ishmael and Isaac are still at war. If you don't believe me, read the headlines in, the, in what's happening between the Arab world and the Israelis. It's still a conflict to this day. But he, he used this as a way to say, look it, if you try to have your own human effort, you're going to mess up the plan. You need to trust that God has the power to set you free and to give you favor without your own human effort. Does that mean we don't live differently? Of course we live differently. But we don't do it to earn our salvation. And we don't do it in order to save ourselves. To, and we don't do it in our own strength. In verse 5 he says, Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure you stay free and don't get tied up again in the slavery to the law. And that's so easy to do. Even as Christians, we try to say, well, if you go to this church or you don't go to that church, you're really a Christian. Or if you drive this car, or if you vote this way, or if you do that, or if you boycott this company, or if you get your, your meals all from Chick-fil-A, then you're a real Christian. that's putting people back into law. We have to trust that the Spirit of God is big enough to help us and strengthen us that we don't have to create religious systems. Not that we shouldn't have framework, not that we shouldn't be disciplined, not that we shouldn't help people, but we need to recognize that those things are just there to help. They will never free us. In verse 2 he says, if you are counting on circumcision to make you right with God, then Christ will be of no benefit to you. In other words, if you're trusting in a religious system, if you're trying to live this way to make yourself right, then you might as well not even believe in Jesus. Because He came to give grace. In verse 4, He says, if you're trying to make yourself right with God by keeping the law, you have been cut off from Christ. You have fallen away from God's grace. In other words, he's saying if you're trying to cut off a piece of skin to make yourself right, you're really cutting yourself off from Jesus. I love verse 5. He says, But we who live by the Spirit wait eagerly to receive by faith the righteousness God has promised us. We're going to get into this a little bit more next week. But if you really want to be righteous, you don't do it in your own effort. Not that there isn't a partnership. But the righteousness comes as we eagerly wait on the Holy Spirit. As we allow His power to infuse our lives. As we allow Him to lead us and guide us. That's how we receive real spiritual authority. What is important, he says in verse 5, is faith expressing itself in love. It's not important what customs you keep. It's not important what clothes you wear or what food you consume. 
What's important is that you trust in Jesus and you allow your faith in what He has done to express itself in the way you love the people around you. And then, I feel like it's important, I almost skipped over this because it's kind of a hard saying, but I think it's important for us to see it. Verse 12 has quite possibly been deemed the most crude and rude statement you will find in all of the New Testament. It is... It feels like a rant, and so let me read it to you from our version, and then I'll tell you why our version's bad, and then I will explain. It says, I wish that those troublemakers who want to mutilate you by circumcision would mutilate themselves. See, the New Living Translation does a great job of taming this down. These people had come in behind Paul and said, now that you've accepted Jesus, you need circumcision. And they were trying to get them to fall back into the law, to back into slavery. And if you read this in the original Greek, it says something, and I'm gonna, we got little kids in here, so I'm going to do my best to keep this PG, PG-13 at the top. But, but here's the thing. He's basically saying, these people are trying to cut off a little piece of skin off of a very sensitive part of your body. If they're so sure that would save them, I hope they would just cut off the whole thing. If you don't like the Bible after this message, you got a problem. The Bible is powerful. The Bible is crazy. There's some crazy stuff in here. He's saying, I wish they would just go the whole way with themselves. If they're so confident that a little piece of skin off of that is going to make them right, why don't they just take off the whole thing? And it's really easy to look at that as an angry preacher getting mad and just, you know, he, he's upset, he's, he's, he's feeling attacked, so he's attacking back. But what we have to realize is he's upset not by the fact that he's being attacked, but that people are being bound up in slavery again. He's upset Because people that he told the truth to, that he helped to break off of all of the sin, all of the shame, all of the condemnation that was on them because they weren't real Jews. He broke that off of them. And now people are coming in behind him and saying, no, he was wrong. Jesus isn't enough. Jesus is, it's it's great that you believed him, but he's not enough to save you. That makes me mad just saying it. We should be angry when we see people falling into false teaching. When we see people who we know have been set free getting caught up in lies that will steal their soul. This should be something that makes us mad. And and maybe Paul didn't have to be so crude. And like I said, I tamed it down. If you want to be a good Greek scholar, you can look it up. People debate this. This is the crudest thing in the New Testament. And maybe he didn't need it, but he wanted them to realize how desperately they needed to run from this teaching. How damaging, how damning 
this line of thought is. You can't get to God by your own effort. You will never be saved by following these steps and doing these things and and reading your Bible more and praying more. That will never make you right with God. It's only trusting in the finished work of Jesus. Anything else leads to condemnation. Anything else leads to slavery. And we don't want that. I don't want it for you. I don't want it for any of you online. I don't want it for anyone who has come in contact with this gospel of grace to go back into slavery. And I want to see you walk in freedom. So don't try to gain your freedom. If you're struggling with something, don't try to gain your freedom. Don't try to gain better favor from God by keeping religious traditions. Rest in who He is. Rest in the power of the Holy Spirit. Do the things that the Holy Spirit is prompting you to do. You've got to make sure you spend some time understanding that. And we'll talk a little bit more about that next week as well. We talked about a couple of things that Jesus excludes. I want to share with you two things quickly that Jesus includes. Jesus includes freedom and love. And that's why this message is so powerful. The message of Jesus Christ is so powerful because he offers freedom to slaves. And he offers love that transforms us. Love that changes who we are and then gives us the ability to give it away to other people. In verse 13, he says, For you have been called to live in freedom. You have not been called to live in anxiety. You have not been called to live in addiction. You have not been called to live in religious systems. You have been called to live in freedom. And with that, you need to make sure you use your freedom correctly. He goes on to say, don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, Use your freedom to serve one another. See, an easy argument that's made is to say, well, I'm free. I can do whatever I want. There's nothing that will separate me from God's love. I can do whatever I want. But that's not really freedom, right? That's putting yourself into bondage to your sinful nature. It says instead, because you've been set free, serve each other. Love each other. Give away what you have received. Spend your time finding ways to surprise other people with love. In verse 14, he says something quite interesting. He says, For the whole law can be summed up in one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. I say this is interesting because if you understand the New Testament and the teachings of Jesus, Jesus said the whole law could be summed up in two phrases, right? He included this one, love your neighbor as yourself, 
But he also included, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your strength, your mind. Why did Paul not include that half? I don't know. That's my deep theological answer. I don't know why he didn't include that. But I will tell you this. You can't love God if you don't love your neighbor. It's easy to say, I love God. But if you're not actually loving the person across the seat from you, if you're not loving the person across the street from you, if you're not loving the person the next cubicle over or the next classroom over, you're not really loving God. And this is not to put religious duty on you. It's simply to acknowledge the truth. The easiest way we show the world we love God is that we love one another. We serve one another. Right. We love our neighbor as ourselves. We give to others the way we would want. Actually, I'll, I'll say it this way. We should treat people better than we treat ourselves. We should love people better than we take care of ourselves. That we willingly give because we have a rabbi, we have a teacher, we have this man we follow named Jesus who showed us how to live for him. And that's by giving his life away. That's by giving our lives away. That doesn't earn our salvation. That just simply shows the world we're taking seriously the freedom we've been given. And so I want to encourage you, be people who do that. Because the alternative is this, and we see it happening in our world today, and we've been seeing it happen for thousands of years. If you don't do that, you end up biting and devouring one another. You end up destroying one another. But that's not where we want to live. We want to live in verse 14, where we love one another. And so, read the book of Galatians. It's a great book. I would really encourage you, take some time. It'll take you less than 30 minutes if you want to sit down and read the whole book. If you read a chapter a day, you can get a day off during the week because it's six chapters long. Let, it's a great book. Let the Word of God change you. Learn how to rest in what Christ has already done for you. And believe in the power of the Spirit that you have been given to change and transform the world around you. Why don't we stand? We're going we're gonna to sing one more song. And I, I want to pray for you. I want to pray that you are someone who receives that freedom. We also have some prayer team members who are going to find different locations in the different corners around our, our sanctuary here this morning. If, you, if you're struggling with anything, if you need freedom in some area could be financial, could be spiritual, it could be anything. I want to encourage you to find one of our prayer partners as we, we sing one more song of worship. And don't leave here in bondage. Let the Spirit of God break chains off of you today.
Let me pray for us. Let me pray. And in the middle of this prayer, I'm going to give you an opportunity. If you don't know Christ, I want you to have an opportunity to find this freedom for yourself. But let, let me pray for us, and then I'll give further instruction in just a moment. Jesus, we thank you. We thank you that you are a God who first loved us. That when we were enemies, you made a path forward for us to get to you. I pray that you would help us live lives that honor you. Not to earn your favor, not to earn your grace, but because we appreciate that freedom. We appreciate that grace so deeply. God, I pray for those of us who struggle to live this out every day. And I think that's all of us. That we have a temptation to slip back into slavery, to slip back into thinking, it's what I do for God that matters. rather than a simple acceptance that Christ is enough, that I have been set free, and that the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God. I pray there would be people, both here in person and those watching online, who would be set free this morning by your mighty power. And God, if there's anyone here, anyone listening online, and they don't know you, I pray your Holy Spirit would speak to them right now, that they would recognize they need this gift of freedom. If that's you, if you you sense the Holy Spirit prompting you, if you're just feeling this nudge, this urge that I need Jesus. I want to encourage you to step into that right now. That you would pray this simple prayer and believe that God is going to set you free. You can use my words, you can use your own words, you can say this out loud or you can say it in the quietness of your heart, but I'd encourage you to pray something simple like this. Say, Dear Jesus, I believe in you. I believe that you died for me. And I believe that God rose you from the dead. Forgive me. Forgive me for the ways that I have hurt myself, I've hurt others, that I've hurt you. I turn away from that life of sin and I turn to follow you. Holy Spirit, fill me. Empower me to live for Jesus every day. God, I thank you for this new life. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you pray that prayer, could you come find one of our prayer partners and 
and let them know that. Or if you're online, send us an email or click on that button that says, I'm receiving Christ today. But again, if you need prayer for anything, come find one of our prayer partners. We're going to sing one more song. We're going to worship. We're going to declare that this Jesus who died for us, that he is worthy of it all. He is worthy of all of our praise. He is worthy of everything that we can give. And that the freedom he gives is amazing.